Coming up on Philosophy Time. The life and thought of John Dewey. Quintessentially American philosopher. One of the founding fathers of American pragmatism. Part philosopher, part psychologist, part educational and social reformer. One of the fundamental problems of education in and for a democratic society is set by the conflict of a nationalistic and a wider social aim. John Dewey and the ideal of democracy. A democracy is more than a form of government. For Dewey, democracy is the fundamental form of human life through which we realize our deepest ideals and aspirations. It is primarily a mode of associated living, of conjoint communicated experience. When are people going to learn? Democracy doesn't work! Please don't knock the land that I love. Our guest is Melvin Rogers, author of The Undiscovered Dewey, Religion, Morality, and the Ethos of Democracy. The Life and Thought of John Dewey. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. And we're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford University. That's where Ken teaches philosophy, and I did for 40 years. And today, we're thinking about John Dewey and the ideal of democracy. Yeah, John Dewey was, was just a, a distinctively American philosopher. He may have been the single most influential American philosopher during his lifetime, John. And he had a long life. He was born before the Civil War and died in the early 1950s. And the guy was an absolute force of nature, I imagine. He was one of the founding fathers of the pragmatist school in philosophy. He was a psychologist, a political theorist, and a public intellectual. And he just didn't do this from his armchair. He worked tirelessly in the field for various causes like women's suffrage, for example. And his influence and education was, I think, transformational. You know, there's obviously a lot we could say about Dewey, but we're going to focus on his views about democracy, of which he was a big fan. A big, I think maybe that's an understatement. I think he adored uh, democracy. He thought of democracy as the ideal form of human social life. Yeah, but talk of the ideal, anything, implies perfection. Democracy is fine. It's all right. But I don't see how anyone can think it's perfect. Oh, what's your beef with democracy? Well, I'm with Churchill. Democracy, he said, is the worst form of government except for all the others that have been tried. Oh, I That's think, its virtue. I think Churchill was just being ironic or something, wasn't he? No, I think he was utterly serious. His point was that although the people may not be very good at governing, Still, they're a hell of a lot better than the dictators or revolutionary vanguards or haughty elites that have been the norm throughout history. But come on, if democracy is a little logic for you, if democracy is better than the rest, then, well, it's the best. And if it's the best, it's ideal, right? QED. Yeah. Uh, not if it's the best of a bad lot. I used to chair the philosophy department. I think I was the best of a bad lot of choices, <laughs> frankly, but far from ideal. No form of government is ideal. All we can hope for is avoiding being ruled by psychotic tyrants or petty fools, which has happened a lot throughout history. Well, John, you have such a cramped view of democracy and government and politics for Dewey. This stuff is about really fundamental things. It involves much more than getting off your duff now and then and voting for the lesser evil. It's about more even than majority rule. Well, like what? Like 
informed activity and reflective participation in civic life. Uh, like free and open communication among citizens. That's important. Like mutual understanding of one another's wants and needs, like cooperation, collaboration, and compromise. Really big stuff. Uh, sounds kind of dreamy and unrealistic. It sounds visionary to me. Uh, well, it's not a vision that truly describes any democracy I've ever heard of. You know, I don't think he was meaning to describe the way things actually are. He was articulating an ideal. Uh, there's that word again. Well, look, look, I mean, do we actually saw democracy, I think, as, as rooted in our deepest aspirations as human beings? He believed that we can realize our full human potential, even our potential as individuals, only through active participation in what he called the public sphere. Well, I think that's where he gets off the rails. I have the duty to vote and spend a little time figuring out who to vote for. More participation than that, I don't think that's what makes my life go. It just makes me tired. Oh, John. Look, Dewey was a pragmatist, right? Yeah, so what? Well, I thought pragmatists didn't really go in for lofty and unreachable ideals. They go in for what works what can realistically be achieved in the here and now. Yeah, but Dewey went in for what can be achieved in the here and now. That's why he put such an emphasis on education. He didn't think democracy was easy. He said that we can achieve democracy only if we educate people in a way that prepares them for life as active, reflective, engaged citizens. And, you know, he thought a lot. That's how his transformational influence in education. He thought a lot about how to, how to actually do that. Well, on the matter of education, maybe Churchill and Dewey weren't so far apart after all. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean, John? Well, I mean, Churchill thought ignorance was a problem. Have you ever taken a look at the average voter? <laughs> oh, God. Churchill said, talk to the average voter for five minutes. That's the best argument against democracy. He won't turn out to be exactly the engaged, reflective citizen of Dewey's imagining, but maybe education can uh, get in there. See, again, it's not about how things actually are, what the citizen is actually like. It's about how things ought to be. That's why Dewey's talking about the ideal of democracy, John. Yeah, but think of the U.S. We're divided by religion, class, race, and ethnicity. A lot of people end up being minorities and not part of the majority. Do you ever think we can have the kind of mutual understanding that Dewey dreamed of? Well, why not? Well, because I think Dewey's vision is like watching a rough-and-tumble rugby game and thinking, oh, we could transform this into ballet just by education. Well, that's a great analogy, but it's still kind of grumpy, dude. Grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. Yeah, well, in my grumpiness, I'll give him credit. He believed deeply in education, and education deserves all the attention it can get. And he was more than just an educator and a philosopher. He was an activist, a psychologist, uh, a woman's rights advocate, and a lot of other things. So we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to explore the life and times of this whirlwind John Dewey. She files this report. John Dewey began his career as a high school teacher. He was born in Vermont in 1859, and by the end of his life at the ripe age of 92, he had an impressive list of accomplishments under his belt. His life is actually devoted to lots and lots and lots of practical causes. Philip Kitcher is the John Dewey Professor of Philosophy at Columbia University. He's a very early endorser of things like female suffrage. Uh, he's a very early supporter of the NAACP. Dewey was also a scholar of psychology, metaphysics, art, education, political theory, you name it. In 1899, Dewey was elected president of the American Psychological Association. In 1905, he became president of the American Philosophical Association. 
and he was a member of the American Federation of Teachers. Dewey was a pragmatist who believed philosophers should have a real-life impact on the world. Not just kind of pie-in-the-sky ideas and talking to other scholars. Sarah Stitzlein is a professor of philosophy and education at the University of Cincinnati. She's also a Dewey scholar. So there's this very social aspect of what citizens do for Dewey, and that's largely about solving social problems that keep democracy strong and healthy. And that's all guided by this pragmatist spirit of trying to figure out what works. Dewey believed one way to maintain a strong democracy was through a strong public education system. He thought our classrooms should be focused on bettering society, not teaching individual vocational skills. He drew our attention to children as unique individuals um, whose experience should be fostered and supported in our classrooms so that children could come to understand and investigate and improve the world around them. When John Dewey died in 1952, not a lot of people were tooting his philosophical horn. Here's Columbia's Philip Kitcher again. His influence really waned after his death. I mean, he basically got written out of the philosophy curriculum in most places. Throughout Dewey's work runs a critique of capitalism, and Kitcher says that didn't bode well with the post-World War II American public. People didn't want to hear about radical reform. This is the time of the Cold War. This is the time in which capitalism is pitted against the evils of a rival economic system. And people, I think, didn't want to listen to uh, somebody like Dewey saying there are things that are really deeply wrong and that need to be reformed. Kitcher says it wasn't until the 1970s that scholars started taking Dewey seriously again. We now have things like the John Dewey Society and professors at Columbia who get paid to study his life's work. Much of American society now lauds John Dewey. But what would Dewey think about today's American society? I think he would be appalled. I mean, Dewey is very scathing about the idea that democracy is simply a matter of people voting periodically. Uh, you don't get informed decisions when on complex issues you get two people on television shouting at one another for about 10 minutes. That's a matter you of principle, and I'll, and I'll tell you. the biggest liar. You probably are worse than Jeb Bush. We about both issues. agree with campaign finance reform. Let's talk I, about issues. I've worked hard for McCain-Feingold. Nasty guy. Now I know why he doesn't have one endorsement from right. any of his colleagues. I mean, I think he would think there's not a hope that people can really think through the things that matter to them and find uh, candidates uh, who can really advance their goals and interests. Sarah Stitzlein from the University of Cincinnati says John Dewey might be disappointed in our current democratic system, but she thinks he would still have hope. We can't just hope in something else outside of us, but rather our hope has to relate to our own personal efforts to improve our lives as well as those of others. And all of that for him is guided by a belief in meliorism. This is kind of a positive, optimistic outlook where you believe that the world can indeed be improved with effort together. Maybe a little meliorism can go a long way. If Donald Excuse Trump me. is Excuse president... Me. Hold on, gentlemen, Pay I'm going to turn this car around. Here's hoping. For Philosophy Talk... I'm Shuka Kalantari. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.